This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hi all, uh, here from Milan, we are broadcasting for the live coverage of Milan Fintech Summit 2023 at Breaking Banks Europe. Two days of working in this uh, event to talk about the future of fintech industry. In this moment, we are together with Ferdinando Ametrano, who is the scientific director at the Digital Gold Institute. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. So for the first time, uh, you have presented today the quarterly report of Digital Gold Institute here at Milan Fintech Summit. What are the main highlights uh, of uh, this report, uh, which uh, uh, focused on uh, the world of Bitcoins? Bitcoin and crypto asset. And so I would say that the first evidence is that Bitcoin is up 66% since uh, the start of the year, so year to date. And it has decreasing volatility. Volatility has dropped from above 70% to below 50%. And last but not least, correlation with other asset classes are reducing. So again, we see the best performing asset of this year, of the last three years, of the last decade, mm-hmm. with uh, significant decorrelation to other asset classes. So with a, a lot of div- diversification benefit in, uh, when inserted uh, into an investment portfolio. And I think this is the biggest news of this quarter and this whole year. And so about it, uh, uh, according to you, what are the, the priorities of this market, maybe also in Italy or in, at, at European level? So what are the most important challenges and opportunities are coming from this market today? <laughs> Well, the opportunities, uh, they go hands in hands with risk in a way. And I think that in order to allow investors uh, to, or, um, to invest mm-hmm. without risk in this market, we need a better regulation. Mm-hmm. And there are good news because uh, marketing crypto asset regulation has been approved at European level. Uh, at the Italian level, we finally have a framework for taxation, so a fiscal framework for cryptocurrencies. Uh, in the US, we have uh, uh, the major asset manager worldwide, BlackRock and Fidelity, pushing for uh, the launch and the approval of a Bitcoin ETF. So clearly, the whole ecosystem is trying to provide safer or more secure means of investing in Bitcoin and crypto assets. So from your special observatory, from the data coming from this report, uh, what are the next trends, the next step in order to help or to allow this market keep growing? 
Well, it's surely a financial institutional adoption, okay? Uh, the last bull run in the crypto market, which was uh, in autumn 2021, was basically driven by U.S. institutional investors entering the market. Uh, there are expectations that Europe might join uh, uh, in the next uh, 12, 18 months, and surely the availability of a public uh, uh, listed ETF will help a lot. So I think that retails having better, safer, simpler way of investing and uh, institutional money, uh, institutional flows uh, into this market are going to be the main driver probably for the next 18, 24 months that I surely think uh, are going to see a growth for this market. So thank you for spotlight on this and for being with us today. My pleasure. And see you down the road somewhere. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. In this moment, we are together with Luisa Todini, who is a board member at IFI and chairwoman at Comitato Leonardo. Thank you for being with us. Thanks to you. Hello, everybody. So, Luisa, today we want to talk with you about uh, the state of the art uh, of fintech in the Italian market. What are the situation also in terms of regulations and maybe also in terms of challenges to keep growing, we can say? A great moment in terms of uh, creativity, ideas, uh, we, can, we can think about it big uh, companies, Money or Money Farm or smaller like uh, uh, Net Insurance, uh, Wally Life. But in terms of regulation, regulatory system and complaint system, uh, this is uh, really a tough moment. It's still a tough moment. A little bit easier than in the past years, but we have to make life easier for fintech companies. Otherwise, the great Italian ideas needs and must go outside of Italy, generally in London, but not only in London, to find money and to be based there. Yes, because Italy uh, has uh, a history about innovation, a history about creativity and ideas. But uh, sometimes, <laughs> a lot of times, we lost brains outside for the uh, complexity of our uh, regulatory frameworks and uh, also maybe for the difficulties uh, in finding funds. So what are, according to you, the main challenges, but maybe also opportunities coming from our market for fintech startups, for example, or fintech companies in general? We have uh, uh, two, three unicorns in Italy, but uh, what does it mean today for a company to approach the fintech industry? Uh, I think you put the finger in the right um, in, in the right place uh, because uh, in Italy we we are full of money, institutional money, private, both private and public. If we think about pension fund, uh, um, institutional funds from banking, uh, casse di risparmio, and and so on, a lot of family office too. But it's not easy for them to invest. Uh, in fintech, in venture capital fintech, or in private market fintech, like, I guess, private equity or mm -hmm. private debt. 
So uh, why? Because uh, the taxation is not is not friendly. Not only because it's very high, and I know the government is doing a lot of efforts to put it down, but because there is not, we need to to have a gift, uh, to give gift uh, to retail tickets and institutional tickets if they do invest in fintech, in startup in general, in fintech. We talk about a lot about angels, but how many people really in Italy can be angel, even for little tickets of, of investment, how easy it is. The word easy is very important. It doesn't mean that it, Italian, uh, easy Italy means banal or silly Italy, means welcoming Italy and able to consolidate the investment and the ideas. And uh, uh, looking to the future, according to these, what could be the next steps uh, in order to help uh, institutions or from institutions to help companies uh, to, to embrace uh, the new fintech universe, the new fintech growth uh, that can be possible for uh, our realities, uh, both in terms of technology, but also in terms of new economy? I think that our main regulators, like as I can easily say Banca d'Italia and Consob and all the other around them, should understand that, of course, they have to control and control in a very strict way because control is democracy. But they have to, they have to control in a track of growth. They don't have to control only to stop, but to make it growth and to make us growth and to make people, company, and money uh, to produce other money to invest. It's not only money for money, it's to invest and to... I, I mean, I ask myself, uh, why six centuries ago Italy was the Renaissance? Mm. And now Renaissance is out of Italy. We are still a part of uh, Leonardo da Vinci. We still have a part of this in ourselves. But the Renaissance is where... Things are easy to do. Six centuries ago was was very easy yeah. to exchange neurons. But maybe there is a, uh, a problem of culture, for example, in in terms of approach. Because in the Renaissance we had a lot of culture, and we have uh, we had also some people who help investing on culture. Six centuries But, ago, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. The place to be was Italy and Florence in particular. Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago, the place to be was California. Maybe if you own the garage, what is even better? Now, where is the place to be? With the digital and global, I mean, the global Metaverse. digitalization could be, <laughs> could be everywhere, even in yeah. Marte, okay? But if you can be everywhere, even if you are in my marvelous countryside in Todi, mm -hmm. uh, you can be in the middle of nowhere and could be connected to everywhere, but Is it my renaissance to base a company in Italy and to pay taxes in Italy, to pay salaries in Italy and to be regulated in Italy? Not so sure about that. I want to be sure about that. <laughs> We hope that yeah. they will be sure about that. <laughs> and exactly. that they can find a new renaissance uh, in Italy exactly. for fintech. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you to you. Never give up. In this moment, we are together with Jacopo Lambri, who is head of Vice President Office at European Investments Bank. Thank you for being with us, Jacopo. Thank you for having me. 
So, Jacopo, today we uh, want to talk with you about uh, the benefits that can come from uh, fintech in the traditional finance. What are, according to you, what could be the role of fintech in the traditional finance today, according to you? Thank you very much. I think this is a very uh, spot-on question because there is a lot of discussion of what could be, uh, what, where it lies the potential of fintech in the future. And in this respect, we see that there are a lot of companies that have uh, created a business that, uh, is, let's say, is in competition with the tra traditional financial sector. But I would say that, and, and, and start from our own experience as European Investment Bank and European Investment Fund, a great potential is to merge, to have cooperation between the traditional uh, financial sector and fintech. What, I, what do I mean with this? I see that the uh, European uh, financial and banking market is very well established. There is a lot of, uh, and, and it's very fragmented. There are a lot of organiza organizations that definitely will not disappear in the future. They have a very loyal client base and probably in this very moment, after we have seen a surge of number of uh, institutions that want to compete with traditional bank, the best is to develop products that can be used by traditional organizations to innovate and become fintechs themselves. And in order to do this, according to you, what are the challenges and opportunities offered by the market, both to fintech and traditional finance, in order to evolve and create innovation, innovation more and more? Well, unfortunately, a fintech is a heavily regulated market, uh, and therefore one of the uh, most important dragging factor is, is regulation itself. Uh, we want to become, uh, every company, of course, wants to become global to, complete, to compete on the global market. And when we see that there are 27 different regulations inside Europe, well, this is, of course, a great obstacle that needs to be overcome. Indeed, European institutions are working to uh, complete the so-called capital markets union, which is specifically uh, designed for this, but there is still a lot to do. And so looking to the future uh, and according to the opportunities you said before and also challenges to face, but what are the next steps uh, in order to make uh, a stronger collaboration between uh, traditional finance and fintech and uh, also to grow uh, not only as a market, but also maybe as a, a cultural approach uh, in terms of fintech and a new way of doing uh, finance and or giving uh, financial services well usually when we when we speak about uh, venture capital at large and fintech in, in as a sub, sub segment of this we talk about ecosystems it is a very important to, 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 to have in mind that ecosystem is an ecosystem is composed of a huge number of actors that is very heterogeneous we have the companies we have the funders we have the investors we have public bodies and we have regulators all of this when we're talking about culture need to go in the right direction and need to act in a coordinated way. So this, I would say that is the most important thing that to develop uh, a mentality that is business oriented, business driven. And going back to the topic of regulation, it is very important to balance indeed consumer protection on one side, but also freedom to innovate on the other side. And we hope this obviously. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
in this moment we are together with, with Laura Vergutz, who is uh, the Senior Product Marketing Manager at Booking.com. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So, Laura, today with you we want to understand or better understand what does uh, it uh, uh, in what what does it mean fintech in booking why fintech is interesting for a company like booking in uh, this moment and for the future yeah thanks a lot uh, for that question i think it's a really interesting one so if we think about booking.com and i mentioned it also in the presentation earlier we're about 30 years old right uh, and if you think about payments it's not something naturally we always had as part of the customer journey, uh, but it's a huge friction point for customers, right? So if we think about being able to provide an optimal customer experience when it comes to travel, payments is no doubt very important. Um, in Booking.com, we have quite a large vision of being able to launch the connected trip. And the connected trip really means that we want to make sure that we can provide and cater to all the aspects of what comes to travel, right? Think about not only booking your accommodation, but also booking your flights, uh, booking an, an attraction and all of those. For that, payments is crucial, right? So for us, it's a huge investment area uh, to streamline collaborating across our verticals within Booking.com, uh, but also really making sure that we can support customers, we can provide clarity in their in their whole booking experience, uh, and alongside also, of course, for the accommodation partners. Because if we can do payments and if we can really invest and focus on fintech and financial services, we can also grow a partner's business and we can make sure that we can yeah, streamline operations for them, reduce transaction costs uh, and all of these aspects. So pretty important for us. But uh, an adoption of fintech solutions in a global company like Booking is not so easy, we think. And... Uh, what are the challenges and opportunities that uh, an adoption like this, a technological innovation, we can say, in your company, in your business model, could uh, uh, bring uh, uh, with it? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think in anything we do, so even if it's payments or if it's something else, we always want to make sure that we can localize, right? Uh, you mentioned it really well. We're a global company, but that doesn't mean that every single customer wants the same experience, is looking for the same thing, uh, and it's no different for payments, right? So obviously that is a bit of a challenge because we want to make sure that we can streamline the experience and that customers really get the same experience no matter if they are uh, in South Africa or they're booking from Germany. It should be as seamless no matter where they are and no matter where they should go. So that's actually something yeah, that really pushes us to go beyond our borders, make sure that we can localize, work with local PSPs, for example, uh, to push forward more localized or local payment methods. Uh, so these are not easy, right? Because it's way easier to integrate something that is within your yeah, space of what you know. Uh, but that's uh, that's something we are heavily investing in, right? Understanding our users, no matter where they are, is for us crucial. We will go the extra mile to make sure that we can understand it. Uh, so that also brings an opportunity, right? Because then for a company as Booking.com, um, we can also really help customers globally to yeah, get the same offering and uh, make sure that they can, uh, yeah, let's say, travel more seamless, including getting access to 
yeah, all of these financial services. Also because uh, in the world, uh, the approach to fintech uh, is not the same everywhere and it's different uh, in terms of culture and Absolutely. also in the way to pay. So, for example, by now, pay later at the moment is the trend. It could be the next trend also for a company like Booking or yeah. there are other trends maybe that you can see. Yeah, it's a good one. So buy now, pay later is something we are already uh let's say launching, right? It is very much a good trend. Uh, but a vision we really have is put yourself in the perspective of a customer, let's say, shoes. So basically, the way we look at it is that, for example, a traveler in Italy mm -hmm. that wants to go to South Africa should be able to book an accommodation and pay with installments um, months before they arrive, right? That gives a lot of flexibility. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you think about an accommodation partner, The way we envision it is by making sure that they will already get access to the full deposit at the time of booking, regardless if it's an installment or not. And then for both sides, uh, we really want to make sure that we can optimize for an exchange as well as add insurances. So that's, I think, a bit of the vision that we have, also connecting it to yeah, the connected trip vision on uh, offering this to for customers and partners. So good luck for this and thank, thank you. you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.